Hey guys, it's Haley. Welcome back to Kindled. I am so excited to share with you today a conversation that I got to have with my pastor, Jeff Terrell. You know, in being the, the host of this podcast for the last three years almost, I have gotten to interview a lot of really incredible authors and names and, and people that you would recognize. And um, that's been a huge privilege and blessing. But I always find that my favorite people to talk to are the ones I actually know in real life, because it's just the working out of the the community and the body of Christ that we're actually meant to have. So it's it's really special for me to get to talk with my actual pastor. Um, he's only been my pastor for a few months, but I just have been, I'm so grateful for the community that we've been able to build at our new church, Ascend Church here in Kansas City. Um, and man, it's just been such a blessing to be in a church body that is committed to meeting, committed to small groups, Bible studies, especially in this season. It's been, I can confidently say, uh, I would not have made it through this season in such a fashion and capacity that I did without the support and the love and the accountability of a church body locally that I got to worship with and show up with. So, um, man, so grateful for Ascend. Maybe I should just do a whole podcast on them. I won't, but I kind of want to. I want to encourage you, if you are someone that does not have a local church, to make that a priority, especially in the coming year, you need to have the body of Christ around you in real life, in real time, in the flesh, not just in your you know, iPhone headphones, not just on your phone screen, not just in your Instagram feed. Yes, there are Christians all over the world. Yes, you can learn from them as Jeff shares in this interview, but, but there is no replacement for the body of Christ, the local church, because it's God's design for his people. So I really just want you to maybe if nothing else, walk away with that, get plugged into a local church. It's such a huge, huge blessing in the life of a believer. Um, and it's something that we cannot do this Christian life without. And I might add, like Jeff says, a Jesus centered gospel preaching church. Also critical. Um, you're going to want to get your notepad and pen out for this one because Jeff has a lot of good stuff to share and uh, I will be re-listening to this today. Okay, guys, here's my conversation with Pastor Jeff Terrell. All right. So today on Kindled, I am chatting with my pastor, Jeff Terrell. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a privilege, privilege for you to call me my your pastor and then also to be on your podcast. So thanks, Haley. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm newly, newly could, could call you my pastor, but, um, yeah, we've, we've been attending Ascend or pursuing membership, um, been there for a few months and it's just been such a huge, huge blessing in my family's life. So just want to tell you that on the air for the record, we love it there. We love oh, everything that's doing and the community that we've been able to build in a few months has been like unreal. Just, it's not, mm. it doesn't even seem like it should be possible, but, um, yeah, had small group last night and we were just always, you know how when you're like getting ready for small group, you're like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, I yes. kind of wish we just didn't have it tonight. I mean, I just feel drained. But then you go and you're like, you never, it's like a workout. You never leave and are like, oh, I wish we wouldn't have gone. You always are so thankful and grateful for that time. That's a great analogy. Yeah, I completely agree. I can relate. Yeah. Um, well, I am excited to chat with you today on the topic of living in light of eternity. Um, and 
but okay, before we get into that, I just, I'm excited about the topic, but I would love for you to kind of tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your family. Mm. Yeah. So I'm married to my wife, Sally. We've been married 22 years, actually this upcoming weekend. And uh, just, you know, I can relate to what you and I were talking about off air, just that my wife completes me. I know that's a cheesy line, but yeah. without her, I would not be able to function. Um, she points me to Christ. So she is my greatest treasure and greatest joy. And in fact, that's kind of a joke with my three girls is mm-hmm. we, I, I asked them who, who's my greatest treasure. And they get it by now that when they answer that it's mommy, that, you know, that's not a slight on them. That's the way the Bible prescribes it to be. And she truly is. But I've got uh, Meg, 16, sophomore, Mallory, uh, 14, freshman, and then Macy, 10, fifth grade. So I am surrounded by girls and a female dog. So, man, I am outnumbered big time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you and my husband are on the same page there, but you're doing one better because we don't have any pets. So <laughs> we used to have a fish and I'm not sure of his gender, but uh, <laughs> but he, he got dropped on the floor and died. So goodbye, oh, yeah, Mar- that, that'll usually do yeah. it. Goodbye, Marlon. He's He's out of here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, I, I just finished up a Bible study with your wife and she is, um, everything you said, she's amazing Mm -hmm. and just so knowledgeable as well. Mm -hmm. Um, well, so getting into this topic of living in light of eternity, um, I, I think this is really relevant. Obviously it's always relevant because, you know, that's always how we should be living, but especially in this year, because it has been such a harrowing year. It's been a hard one, I think, to keep our gaze focused on, you know, on where we're headed and what what is actually happening in this grand arc of history. And there's just been a lot of little events and big events that have caused us kind of draw our eye downward and just see things that are horizontally going on all around us. And it, Mm. uh, you know, when your gaze stays there, I I think it's really exhausting. I've found myself just like burned out and exhausted and I try and press in and press forward. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, I I'm out, I'm over it. I don't want to, I don't want to think about it anymore. I just kind of want this all to go away. And, um, and that's when I know that my gaze has like gotten, uh, gotten off of what it should be on. Um, And so, uh, you know, uh, this is a huge question to launch into this conversation with, but, but what are your thoughts on that? And how, how do we as Christians live Mm. in light of eternity in, you know, especially in a year like we've had? Sure. Well, you know, I think the Christians actually have the direct access to the actual solution that everybody needs. And that is the word of God. It is Jesus and the gospel, and it is the perspective of the kingdom. I was actually listening to Albert Moeller and his podcast this morning, and he was talking about the way that CBD and marijuana edibles has increased substantially in 2020. He was just saying that people get to a place where it's exactly like you described. They look at the world around them. They look at the details. They look at the headlines. And they're just overwhelmed. And so they reach for something that they think will somehow provide them, you know, satisfaction, perspective. Mm -hmm. And so they grab these edibles. And he was saying even grandmas are reaching out uh, to these Mm -hmm. manufacturers. And, you know, I think that's sad. And it Mm -hmm. points us to what I think Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. And that is our lives are spent trying to pursue something, this world, this horizontal system promises will satisfy and nothing does nothing provides hope that is lasting in fact that's why he uses the hebrew word habel uh, which is vanity or um, empty Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that's what, what happens. And we've seen that so vividly in 2020. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Christians who should be studying God's word and who have been taught God's word have this direct access. And, and here's how I would summarize it in like one or two minutes. When you think about the life of Jesus and what was going on in his day for Jews, for God-fearers, it wasn't that much unlike what we're experiencing today. I mean, there was sickness. I mean, look at how many healings Jesus had in the Gospels. There was sickness everywhere. There was social unrest. There was political turmoil. And the message that you see Jesus preaching, and you really see this in the Gospel of Matthew, is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And he was pointing them to his inaugural uh, opening of that kingdom of heaven era, but he was really pointing them to, I think, Revelation 21 and 22. And so I think all of that to say is that really the, the secret for us in 2020 for hope is the same secret that it was in the first century. It's the same secret that it's always been for all God fears of all time. And it's not CBD edibles. Mm. It's focusing on eternity and the kingdom of God. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's maybe something that we could unpack a little bit if and I didn't prepare you for this question but um you know I I think that I've heard that term used a lot this year especially like the you bring the kingdom to earth especially in light of some of the social justice mm-hmm. issues that our nation has faced um and and even the world has faced uh you know uh even the Lord's prayer says your mm. kingdom, you know, uh, here as it is in heaven and, and all of that. So what, what exactly is the kingdom of God? Because maybe mm. some people listening are like, well, we're supposed to try and create the kingdom of God here. Earth, mm. earth is supposed to be the kingdom of God. This is his kingdom. And, and what we're trying to do is live out these kingdom values and create like a little mini kingdom. You know, I mean, it, I, I feel like there's a lot of um, different ideas floating around, Mm. Um, that are using that terminology and that language. So could you give us a definition? Yeah. So um, my wife actually, I think, shared this in your Bible study because it it really is something that the system or the discipline of study called biblical theology focuses on. And I'm trying to remember who this was that uh, shared it. He's an Australian, Graham Goldsworthy, that's who it is. And I think he described the kingdom of God as the people of God under the authority of God in the place of God, like not in place of God, but in Mm -hmm. his locale. I think that's right. And so all you have to do is Google Graham Goldsworthy definition of kingdom of God, and you'll, you'll see what exactly he says. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's biblically informed and biblically defined. And so there's, there's a already, but not yet aspect to it. And I think that's an important distinction because You know, it doesn't matter what you think the kingdom of God is or what I think it is. What matters is what God says that it is. And so when you look at that, when Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is at hand in the gospel of Matthew, but then in Matthew 13 and on, he starts talking about the kingdom in veiled references and specifically in the genre of a a parable. And so when you start seeing that, you understand there's an already but not yet reality when it comes to the kingdom of God. So the already is that Jesus himself, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the personified kingdom, he taught about the kingdom, he inaugurated the kingdom. But there's a not yet aspect to it because just as you've described, there's so many influences in the world system that will not be in play when we actually get to the consummated kingdom 
that John is talking about in Revelation 21 and 22, the place where there'll be no more tears, there will be no more death, there will be no more suffering, uh, the place where there you know, is going to be this, this uh, symbolic walled city where the gates are going to be open, meaning that there's not going to be any uh, crime, there's not going to be any threats. It's, that's going to be the kingdom of God that is in the future. But now we get to experience some of the blessings of that. Blessings like knowing who the king is, being in relationship with him, uh, following his prescription for what kingdom citizens, how we're going to live then, we should be living now. And so I think that just kind of answers your question that it's, mm-hmm. a, it's an already, but it's not consummated concept. And so Christians have the responsibility to say, you know, what is the kingdom of God going to look like? How are we to live? What is that reality going to be like? And so let's mm-hmm. do what we can to live that way and in light of that while we're here, even though it isn't consummated. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's helpful. So I want to get into something that we, we discussed a little bit um, in talking about, you know, what we wanted to cover in this interview and this, in this discussion. And that is kind of the, the contrast of um, feelings being guided by our feelings um, and versus, versus right thinking. And so um, I, I think you have, you have some thoughts on that. Can you uh, kind of speak to how, how maybe the comparison, the, the contrast, how our culture right now is really being guided largely by feelings um, mm. and not right thinking? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's such a good topic. And I think that the best way to start is by understanding that God has created us to both be thinking creatures as well as feeling and emotional creatures. And I think it's very easy for us as human beings to gravitate toward one of those two extremes, Mm -hmm. but it really is both. And God has created us to be both. The difference is, and I think this is a a biblical distinction. And that is that what is supposed to drive our living is our thinking, but that emotions and feelings are what I would describe as dashboard indicators. So whenever you're driving your car, your, your dashboard indicators pop up. And you don't just deal with the light. You understand that that light is exposing something that's going on, you know, under the hood or in the systems. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think we need to understand is that God has created us to be emotional beings, but those emotions are not supposed to drive us. That's not the Mm -hmm. ultimate thing for us to deal with. The ultimate reality for us to deal with is our cognitive reasoning, our intellectual, intellectual processing. So I think that's an important distinction to make. But, you know, when you look throughout scripture, I think the Old Testament is more by implication. Uh, And then when you get to the prophets, it's by prescription where they're telling the people of Israel how to think, how to evaluate their circumstances, how to understand their circumstances in light of, you know, all of redemptive history. You see that with, with Solomon in the Proverbs. He's instructing his son how to think. But then you get to the New Testament and you start to see that a lot more vividly. Jesus is teaching the crowds. He's teaching the religious leaders how to recalibrate their thinking. But then the epistles are actually specifically instructing us to think. Like I think of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, This is like an amalgamation of all kinds of different English translations I've grown up with. But I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed. And and how do we 
be transformed. It's by the renewing of our mind. And the idea there in the verb is to do this as a, a repetition, to have this be a characteristic of your life, to constantly be recalibrating your thinking. And what are we to be recalibrating our thinking towards? Well, Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we are to take thoughts captive mm -hmm. to obedience in Christ. And, and what is that obedience in Christ? Well, he says it again in Philippians four in verse eight finally brothers whatever is true and noble and right you start going through those descriptions and you see that all of those descriptions are describing what the bible says itself is mm -hmm. and he says all of those things we are to be thinking processing meditating on those things and then in verse nine he says we're to actually practice them so i think that's like a, a that's probably a drinking from a fire hydrant mm -hmm. but i think it's an argument that both the old and the new testament and, and the teaching of jesus and the apostles are instructing human beings to think and to think based on his word and his standards and i just think as a society and even as christians today we just we don't do that we want yeah. social media to think for us. We want mm -hmm. newscasters to think for us. We want pastors to think mm -hmm. for us. But at the end of the day, it's like Acts 17. I mean, all of those things are to be given to us as resources. But we, like the Bereans, are supposed to be taking what we've heard and what others think and running it through the grid of Scripture. And that's, that's the key to success. Yeah. That's the key to stability. Yeah, man, that's so true. Uh, as you were talking, I... I cannot help but you know kind of relate this to my own life and and how i might be doing that and kind of rather than rather than running everything through uh through scripture kind of as this like sieve to sift out what is what is garbage in my thinking and what is actually sound and true and and good uh i, I often just kind of my default reaction if i'm not feeling good about things if i'm feeling mm. unhinged or nervous or anxiety or whatever i look to a source where I know that that, you know, whether it's, whether it's a friend or my husband or someone that I know is going to tell me what I want to hear that will help me feel the way I want to feel. I look to that person for, well, what do you think is going to happen? Or what do mm. you think about this? What's your interpretation? Because I want to, I want to feel the, the feeling that I'm after, you know, like yeah. more peace or more stability or certainty in whatever outcome I want. And so I go to that place and, you know, in the moment I might be like, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I feel good about that. That's mm -hmm. right. And then it always wears off. It always, mm -hmm. it goes away or you hear something else from someone else, some other source. And then you're like, well, wait, they said this. So then now yes. I feel, now I feel insecure again. And now I don't know what to believe. And now I'm back where I was, you know, and I'm completely tottering back and forth between, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and that's just such an exhausting place to, to be. And I think that's where a lot of us, even Christians have been for the bulk of this year i mean yeah. from from the virus to politics to everything it's like what do we believe what's true what's not who's telling the truth who's lying and we we actually don't really have a lot of ways of knowing for sure mm -hmm. you know there's even so even true. if you look at all the right sources and you look at all you try and have a balanced intake of information you still can't really verify a lot of stuff that you're being told and so i think you know that's where i find myself often is just like ping-ponging you know mm -hmm. around or like mm -hmm. pinballing around in this game and it's like oh my gosh and so um you know thankfully like the holy spirit is is faithful to convict me of that but i do find myself playing that pinball game longer than i should 
sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of looking to all these different sources for, for the, the peace and that, that feeling rather than going right to the right thinking, you know? Yeah, that's so good. Well, and I, I'd also just say, in addition to what you shared, and that is that God has given us teachers. He's given us, uh, you know, pastors. He's given us other people in our lives who are excellent critical thinkers as well. And so they, they are all resources. I mean, people who listen to your podcasts are looking to you to help them process and reason. So that these are tools and gifts mm-hmm. that God has given us. But the reality is, is that every gift is limited except for his word and yeah. except for his Holy spirit. But, you know, even the Holy spirit, and this is a whole nother topic, but, uh, the Holy spirit is active. I mean, he is the paraclete. He's the resource that convicts us, that teaches us. Absolutely. But we have to be careful that we don't subscribe or ascribe is the better word that the Holy spirit is telling us something when he may not. And that's the beauty of God's word is it becomes this, this standard that is universally applicable whether you're in Europe, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in the United States, whether you're in the 21st century, the 22nd century, Mm -hmm. whether you're economically viable or you're poor, it doesn't matter. No matter where we find ourselves in our life context, God's word becomes that litmus. It becomes that bedrock that all of these things, whether it's teachers, whether it's experts, critical thinkers, or even what we perceive to be the Holy Spirit, all of those experiences in our lives can be run through God's word. And we know that that is forever stable. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why it's such a great treasure and gift. I want to take a quick second to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Prep Dish. If you're listening to this show, you are likely a busy mom who has to figure out what your family is eating for dinner tonight. You guys have heard me talk about this before. And honestly, I have never been one for meal planning, much less meal prepping. But PrepDish is changing that for me and my family. It's my new secret weapon for healthy, stress-free meals. When you sign up, you'll receive an email every week with a done-for-you grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. You'll do your chopping and mixing ahead of time, leaving you with zero decisions to be made at dinner. So, for example, this week, a couple of the meals that I prepped to make for my family are flank steak salad with roasted sweet potatoes and chicken with peanut dipping sauce, sesame broccoli, and brown rice. You've heard me say it before, my complaint with meal planning is what if I don't feel like eating that thing that night? Well, with Prep Dish, that is no longer a problem because I can pick from any of the prepared meals that are in my fridge ready to go. And guys, listen to this. The founder, Allison, is offering listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You cannot beat that. Check out PrepDish.com slash Kindled for this amazing deal. PrepDish has gluten-free, paleo, and keto options. Again, that is PrepDish.com slash Kindled for your first two weeks free. That is plenty of time to try it out and see if it's going to make your afternoons and evenings less hectic and less stressful and more delicious. So since you're talking about God's word, I, I have to, I have to ask you this, you know, you always say in your sermons, we interpret scripture by scripture. Mm. Um, a lot of, you know, uh, we, we know that Christians disagree on interpretation. Can you kind of, can you explain how you've talked about there's 
there's one interpretation, but many applications. I know this is a little bit off topic, but I think sure. because you're talking about God's word, it might be helpful to just give a little bit of a rundown there. Absolutely. So there's, there's some, there's some foundational principles that anybody who's orthodox should hold to. But then, of course, I mean, we are thousands of years removed from the original source of many of the books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. We are not individuals who speak biblical Hebrew or biblical Greek. There are historical right. contexts from the ancient world that we just have, we have no grid mm -hmm. to be able to process. So we have to understand going into reading God's word that it is going to be challenging in us as 21st century human beings to interpret the ancient texts. So we understand that, but there are some universal principles that every Orthodox Christian should follow in order to, for us to be able to stand with confidence in the 21st century to say, this is what that ancient God-inspired text actually means. And so I, I, let me give you four guardrails that I think are, are valuable. One of them is the historical context. So whenever we come to God's word, we have to take our 21st century modern influences and lay them to the side and try to, as best as we can, immerse ourselves in the historical context. And so we do that by looking at the verses before and behind. We look at that by evaluating any triggers in the passage that tells us you know, what was going on. Is he writing to Jews? Is he writing to royalty? You get the point. Yeah. So we have to study God's word with the historical context in mind. But then we also, the second guardrail is the grammar. Words are important. I mean, you think about uh, you're communicating with Joey. Mm -hmm. Words are important. I mean, you are communicating with him and you're hoping that he understands you by the words that you use. And so the grammar of the Bible is very important. So we have to look at words that are repeated. We have to look at verbs that are given. We have to look at a verb. Is it an imperative? And, and maybe at this point, some of your listeners might think, you know, man, this is overcomplicating this book, shouldn't we just be able to read it and understand it? And yes, and that's the beauty of the Bible is that um, I've heard it said that the Bible is like a pool where it's shallow enough for even toddlers to wade in, but it's deep enough for elephants to swim. And so mm. it's both and. And so, yeah. yes, we can read God's word without, you know, seminary training or, you know, grammatical training and understand what it means. Mm -hmm. But in order to wrestle with it and interpret the ancient text, we have to understand the grammar. So English grammar is sufficient, but if you have the opportunity to study the Greek and the Hebrew, that adds even more color. So mm -hmm. historical, historical context, the grammar. The third one is what I call biblical theology. And that is how does a passage fit in the big story of scripture? So one of my favorite uh, movie series, you've probably heard me say this as of late, is Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you're looking at Star Wars and you look at one scene in one of those nine movies and you try to interpret what exactly is going on there only by that scene, you're going to be limited and you're probably going to draw improper conclusions. So you mm -hmm. interpret that scene in light of the nine movies. And so the same thing with the Bible is I have to look at the passage I'm studying in light of what the entire Bible says, how mm -hmm. it fits in the big story. And then the fourth one is actually what I'm writing my dissertation on, and I'm calling it full bloom aspect. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's concepts in the Old Testament that we see in seedling form, like they're either planted or they're just starting to sprout up. And we don't know at that point, what kind of a plant is it going to be? 
But by the time we get to the New Testament, we understand, ooh, that's an apple tree, or I guess from a historical context, that's a fig tree. Mm-hmm. And now we see it fully developed. And so we, we take that fully developed concept from the New Testament, and then we read that back into the Old Testament. And so I think if we take those four guardrails, I think 21st century Americans reading the Bible in English can have a high degree of confidence that as we're reading it, that we're able to interpret it the way that the Holy Spirit and the original authors intended. Yeah. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, are you going to make that dissertation publicly available? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what grade I get. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's good to know. Um, yeah, man, thanks for going over that. Um, so kind of back to back to where we where we stand, you know, hmm. we started out talking about eternity, living in light of it. All of the stuff that you've shared is is relevant for the believer. We need to be in the word. We need to understand how to actually read scripture, especially in in light of a lot of the stuff we're dealing with, um, you know, with with government and questions of the biblical role of government. Uh, I know a lot of Christians are struggling through that. Um, but so how do we uh, how do we navigate those difficulties in light of um, in light of scripture in light of God's word? Mm. I mean. Yeah. What what would be your encouragement to the believers listening who feel like they're they're really struggling? Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're not sure. Maybe they they disagree with the route their church is going or their pastors or, you know. I mean, I, what would be your encouragement? Yeah. So it's interesting because my daughter, my fourteen year old, we were talking last night. I love this. They're they're at that age where they'll come in and they'll bring the Bible and plop down on our beds and. They want to ask us questions. And so my daughter last night was asking me a question, kind of like what you're doing. She was reading actually in Matthew 13 and had some really good questions. And so she's asking me these questions and I'm answering them. And she said, dad, this is so good, but I'm worried. I'm not going to be able to remember this. And I think sometimes that can happen. And, you know, I hear this at, at our church that people will walk away from a sermon and they'll say, oh, that was so good, but I'll never be able to study God's word like that. And I say, look, here's the, 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 the privilege that God is giving each one of us when we open God's word, when we ask questions of the text, and we hear the answers is that what God is doing is giving us a tool in that moment to put in our toolbox that he intends for us to use. So all the way back to the beginning, when we talked about right thinking being what the Bible prescribes for human beings to do. There's a phrase that I use at our church over and over and over again, and that is right thinking must lead to right living and right living must be based on right thinking. They both go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So all that to say is every time your listeners have an opportunity to open God's word and to be instructed by it is an opportunity for them to grab an additional tool for their thinking. Anytime they have an opportunity to go to a Bible preaching, Christ centered disciple making church and hear a sermon, is an opportunity for them to take one tool away. And as we as Christians continue to assemble our tools in our thinking toolbox, what we'll find is that God's going to give us opportunities to use those tools. Mm. So you, you might be, you know, looking at a post on Twitter or, um, you know, listening to something on the news and here, mm. like even last night I was watching Fox news and I saw John MacArthur on there and mm-hmm. he was, I don't know if you saw that talking about why they're doing what they're doing and being open in opposition to the LA Mm -hmm. government. Mm -hmm. But, but in those moments when you're watching those things, you start to see, Ooh, there's a biblical worldview issue here. 
oh wait, this is actually a moral issue. It's not just a political issue. Mm -hmm. And you start to train your mind to see and identify that. And that's your opportunity to grab these tools from your toolbox. Mm -hmm. And so my, my encouragement for your listeners would be, be in God's word on a regular daily basis. And don't expect you're going to know everything. Don't expect you're going to remember everything. Mm-hmm. But it's an opportunity for you to grab tools. And the more tools that we have, the more ready we're going to be to use them. And so whether it's an election, whether it's social unrest, you know, another big one that's going to be on the horizon, most likely for people is going to be immunization. Yeah. And if our government begins to require immunization, man, that, that's going to be a difficult topic. Uh, Whether it be those who just struggle with immunization or vaccines in itself or, you know, what's in the vaccines. And and those are the types of things where oh, we're going to have an opportunity to grab tools from our toolbox. Mm, Yeah, Uh, I think, yeah, that's that's so good. And um, you went to you went to the master seminary, right? Correct. So you're. You're like BFF, right, with John MacArthur? <laughs> yes, we're, we're very tight. Yeah, you guys hang out like every week. Um, right. So the thinking of other people, like you're, like you're starting to talk about even just looking at, yeah, you're watching the news and you see somebody gives their perspective, you know, their, their thinking has a lot of, um, other people's thinking has, has influence over us. And that's obviously mm-hmm. why scripture does tell us what kind of company to keep and, and how close to be with, with those that are, you know, either aligned with God's truth and living in, you know, obedience and glorifying him versus not sitting in the seat of mockers and, and all of those kinds of admonitions that we see. Um, how do we as believers navigate both, you know, keeping our own minds um, focused on truth, oriented to God's word, you know, being submitted to him, but also not siphoning off from the world and kind of getting in our little Christian bubble and being like, I'm just going to wait for heaven and pray for Jesus to come back. And I'm not going to engage. And I don't want to talk about any of this stuff going on in the world. I just want to kind of, you know, um, siphon off and, and, and be in my little, you know, Christian box. Like, Mm. I, I think that's that's a tension that I'm seeing some people are maybe just checking out and just like, mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with this. This is just, you know, politics are garbage and all of that, which like, you know, yes, that's that's true sometimes. But at the same time, we don't really have the the freedom to just check out, obviously, as believers. So what would you right. say to that? Yeah, so I think it's important to categorize the the influences you have in your life. And I think you need to understand what the source is and then also be evaluating the influence that they have on your life. And so I essentially have three categories of influences I have in my life. I have those influences that I know are just going to be absolutely biblically sound. And so those would be sermons that I'll listen to people like John MacArthur, uh, John Piper, R.C. Sproul, and the list goes on. But I I just know where they stand theologically, and I know that there are going to be some things, some slight things that I might disagree with or see differently, but man, the majority of what they're going to share is going to be biblically sound. It's going to be biblically accurate. So that's category one. Category two are going to be those people who have the ability to process these like contemporary issues, and they're either going to do it through a Christian lens or they're going to do it from a very moral lens. Uh, mm-hmm. Two people that would fall into that category would be Albert Moeller for me, mm-hmm. and then Ben Shapiro. So Ben Shapiro mm-hmm. is not an evangelical Christian. He's right. a Jew, uh, but man, amazing, amazing intellect and ability to process what's out there and look at it morally and ethically. 
And an so extremely kinda, fast talker. He talks oh man, so fast. Especially when you listen to the podcast on one and a half times. Oh, <laughs> how can you even fast. understand what he's saying? I don't think I could That's process it. That's a whole other subject. But yes, that, wow. that guy speaks roadrunner language. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then the third category is I do want to have resources in my life that are not biblical, that are not uh, Judeo-Christian. I was listening to one of those today and just listening to local news radio, news talk radio. And they're talking about, you know, uh, how none of us should be gathering together for Thanksgiving. But the, the reason why I'm doing that is because if, if I'm filling my mind with biblical truth and then I'm fill, filling my mind with people who are able to take biblical truth or at least Judeo-Christian principles and, and process all of this junk that's out there, I also want to be aware of just what people in our community are thinking and how the world does think, because I want to listen to that and engage with it to be able to see, can I refute that? Man, am I missing something here? And so I, the first category I spend the most time with yeah. the second category, the next level. And then that last category, I'm very careful of how much I listen to that mm-hmm. and allow it to come into my mind because at the end of the day, garbage in garbage out. Right. Yeah. But I I think that would be the way that I would answer that is Mm -hmm. consider the influences you have in your life and categorize them and evaluate how they're influencing you. Yeah, that's so helpful. And I think a lot of us probably just because of the the pure proliferation of the amount of the the third category that you gave, you know, worldly influences, voices, if you open your social media app, depending on who you're following, you know, you're going to see that. Mm -hmm. We probably often are, that's where we're spending most of our time. The category, Mm -hmm. category three is, is taking up 75% of the time. And then maybe two has another 10% and then you've got, you know, 15% left for the Bible or, you know, um, really like God's word. You're like, okay, finally, I'm going to go see what God says about this. And, and if that's true, I think we're, we're doing it backwards. And of course you're going to be in it, you know, exhausted, inundated with lies, uns- unsure of who to believe, what is true. You're going to feel tossed about by every wind of doctrine because that's what mm-hmm. you will be, you know, that's what'll be happening to you. So, um, so yeah, that's a great, like kind of measure to, to look at, you know, even categorizing with the shows you like to listen to with the podcast that you make a part of your day. Like what, what category do they fall into? And do you need to limit how, you know, or maybe replace those with other things that would be more, um, more, more truth or, or biblically based. Yeah. Preach it, sister. <laughs> um, is there anything like if, if there, is there anything else that, you know, you want to just leave people with, uh, you know, an, an encouraging word going into mm. the new year, the end of the year, and then the new year, um, and, and just kind of looking forward and, and also, um, in light of the fact that we, this world is not our home. This is not, mm. this is not it, you know, as it's, it's obviously an important aspect of, of why God created us. And he's put us here uh, in his divine wisdom at, at this moment in history. But at the same time, we have eternity to, to look forward to. What would you say in light of all of that? Yeah. Here, here's what I would say is I would say, use the book of Ecclesiastes as a lens or framework for how you're processing today, tomorrow. I hear people say, I can't wait for 2020 to get over as, as though January 1st, 2021 is going to be this whole new 
reality. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, it's going to continue the way that it is for right. the foreseeable future. Right. And so even in saying that, it might have a tendency to depress some of your listeners or to cause the anxiety needle to go up. Mm -hmm. But what Solomon does in those 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes is, is he actually pulls back the curtain of reality. And Haley, I think so many people in life are trying to sew that curtain shut. And they do that through alcohol. They do that through entertainment. They do that through denial. Mm -hmm. the, the reality of life when that curtain is pulled back is ugly. It yeah. is ugly. Um, cancer's out there. Uh, terrorism is out there. Um, sickness, uh, mm -hmm. social injustice. That is reality because we live in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to be careful not to try to sew the curtain shut that reveals what reality is. Be informed about reality. And that's what it, Solomon's doing in Ecclesiastes. He's saying, look, look at chapter 12. The, the body is going to deteriorate. I'm 46 years old. I mean, you can see me. It is deteriorating. So instead of running away from that and trying to say, oh, no, no, I'm going to stay young forever. Just know hey, it's going to deteriorate. And so I take care of myself. I'm reasonable. I'm responsible. But when I start to see spots on my face pop up, I don't have to be fearful about that. And what he does is at the very end in chapter 12, is he says, the end of the matter is this. Fear God in the Hebrew term actually means to revere him, to honor him, to worship him. Fear God and obey his commands. Hmm. That's it. And so a, a resource like the book of Ecclesiastes, I think, is extremely valuable for us to not run away from reality, but to actually gaze at it fully, to understand it, and to be able to know how to navigate through it. And so God's given us a book for that. And it's not just Ecclesiastes, it's Genesis mm -hmm. to Revelation. There's other books and resources. In fact, I think you and I have talked about this. I would commend to your readers the book, Living Life Backwards. Mm -hmm. I believe it's by David Murray. And that informs today. It informs us for 2021. I mean, heaven forbid 2021 is worse than 2020, mm -hmm. but it might be. And so instead of that causing anxiety, let's instead equip our thinking and equip our lenses with the ability to say that no matter what 2021 holds, we're going to be able to navigate it with stability, with information, with right thinking. And if we do that, it will in turn lead us to right living. It's so good. Thank you so much. That's just so encouraging. And um, I will, I will add that book to my list. That's going, going to be next. Um, nice. Where can people find you? Are, are you online anywhere? I know they can obviously find you at Ascend Church pretty much every Sunday uh, if they're, if they're local to Kansas City, but um, anywhere else that people should connect with you. Yeah. You know, uh, ascendkc.org is probably the best way okay. to do that. Okay. I don't post a whole lot on social media. I don't really blog. Yeah. Um, right now, being a dad of young kids and pastor and then pursuing mm -hmm. uh, my degree, I don't have a whole lot of time for, for yeah. anything else. But I love connecting with people here at our church or on social mm -hmm. media. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Jeff. Privilege. Hey, and thank you for all you do, Haley. Oh, thank you. you. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope that conversation blessed you as much as it did me. Next week, we are going to be wrapping this series with a conversation with Greg Kokel of Stand to Reason Ministries on evangelism. So that is one that you absolutely will not want to miss, especially heading into 
the, the holidays and the rest of this year, the end of this year. I am so thankful for you guys for listening. Thanks for being here. Um, I hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving with your family. Whatever that looks like, I hope that you are able to focus your heart on what you are thankful for. Um, All of the incredible blessings that God has bestowed on us and poured out upon us that we do not deserve. Most of all, salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Happy Thanksgiving, guys.